Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Reenactors Corner podcast. This is Chris here again with Ben and some special guests that we are going to introduce in just a moment. Before we get started, I did want to say thank you to everyone who has supported us on Patreon this year. We really appreciate your help and special thanks to our newest Patreon supporters, Hank and John. Thank you very much for coming on. So um, having said that, let's get started. Ben, how are you doing today? I'm great. Another day, another rush mark, you know, just almost to 2023. I can't believe it. So that's the subject of what we're going to talk about today. We're going to look back on the reenacting year that was 2022 and uh, in what has now become an annual tradition for us. Happy to welcome on the program uh, William, a.k.a. Rudy Lange. Thanks for coming on again. Always a pleasure. It's good to be here. Also, Ludwig Topf from all the way across the Atlantic Ocean. Thanks for making time to come on again. It's great to hear from you again. Thanks for having me. Well, we have a true international ensemble here tonight, so (laughs) hell yeah. Looking back, when I look back on the reenactment year that was uh, 2022, for me, it was kind of marked by what I would call like a new normal sort of a feeling where I did fewer events than I used to do years ago. I think I did... um, I think I did four or five events with my German group and then another couple of events with my Soviet and partisan crew, um, which is, I was happy with that number of events. Um, Some events that have been going through the pandemic, I was able to do those again. And we also got to see the return of an event that hadn't happened since 2019. So that was really cool. And, um, there have been some changes with my reenactment group, but our numbers are strong, and uh, I've had a lot of fun. And, you know, overall, I'm happy with how the year went, and I think it was pretty positive. Ben, what about you? Much the same for me, Chris. I mean, I feel like the year for me sort of ended on a high note and that the last two events we did with our German group were a success. And um, But... Again, we're doing less events. I think I've become accustomed to doing less events, and I'm kind of at peace with it. Um, yeah, but uh, I th- and I think this is probably going to be the trend, uh, you know, going into next year. There were some events that uh, I couldn't make for various reasons, and I'm again, I'm okay with that. I think it's just how the cookie crumbles. You know, life is life, but yeah, new normal. Rudy, what about you? How are things going for GD uh, so far this year? What, what was it like for you? Uh, yeah, I think uh, to just voice kind of a similar sentiment as the two of you, it was very much the same. Some events that we would go to where, uh, at least speaking for myself, where I would spend you know three nights there, I had to make it a, a day trip, run down for a little bit, see some guys participate in uh uh, you know, digging of uh, sand trenches at Kaniat or, uh, you know, just make it instead of doing two overnights, make it one overnight and come back. Uh, but uh, I think overall, as a whole, the unit uh, in terms of Großdeutsche and Sipta Company, uh, they they had some events come back that they hadn't been able to host due to COVID and uh, kind of back to business as normal. So that was good to see uh, an uptick in events. Awesome. Ludwig, what about the UK scene? What was it like this year? Uh, very much kind of as, as similar to both of all of you guys, uh, uh, sort of back to a new normal. Uh, a lot of the events that have existed historically returned. Uh, some didn't, uh, or some returned, which were not open to um, 
sort of military reenactors due to the the Ukraine situation, but were back as sort of historical events of some form. So there was the return of many events which uh, have perhaps not existed for the last two or th- or three years, which is is always good to see. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I remarked this uh, at I think in one of our last recordings, but uh, at the last event we did, which was at an event that made its sort of first reoccurrence since December of 2019, I heard a lot of people say, oh, this is my first event since Stalingrad or since, you know, before COVID or since Gap even. And I think there is a trend of people who maybe took a step back during the pandemic returning to the hobby, which is is good, you know, I feel like it's like the birds coming back in the springtime after a long winter. Prior to uh, recording this today, I listened to some of our uh, 2021 recap episode. And I was, we were still kind of in the pandemic where I was talking about, well, you know, I'm afraid these events might get canceled going forward. And of course, that didn't happen. I don't think we had any events at all in 2022 that were canceled due to COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I, what, you know, one of the things I was talking about in the in last year's review was kind of still waiting to see how things would shake out. If there would be a big increase in numbers uh, compared to pre-pandemic, or a big decrease, or if it would stay the same. And for a while, I think numbers were kind of lower. But as you say, Ben, we did that event earlier this month, and there were so many faces there that I hadn't seen that hadn't been around at all since pre-pandemic, even, um, you know, our friends in their Erstetzug, to my knowledge, that unit hadn't done any events since March of 2020. So to see them kind of back on the map, uh, you know, I, I hope to see more of that. I've, I've kind of speculated and wondered about how many units folded during COVID, but I think we're still going to be seeing in the days to come um, some of those people kind of getting back into it. So that's cool. If I might interject too, I think a year ago, the memory of 2020 was still very fresh in our minds. And also too, I think a year ago, COVID was still very much in the mainstream news. I feel like even though it may still exist out there, it's it's less in the mainstream news. I'm not hearing constant updates about uh, you know case numbers, which I felt like you know, was a constant stream, um, even into early this year. And so I feel, I feel like society is sort of picking up and moving on from, from this, this weird, strange time. But yeah, I mean, I think also too, the memory of events getting canned in 2020 left and right was very fresh for us a year ago and still seemed like it might be a possibility given the focus of society on the co- on COVID cases and well, whatnot. Well, it wasn't just 2020, right? It was 2021. Yeah, no, that's what I mean. That's uh, Sorry, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. Did uh, Ludwig and Rudy, did either of you guys have events uh, get canceled due to COVID in 2022? Not here in the UK. I, I, none that I was planning to attend. Uh, not, not due to COVID. Yeah, likewise. We didn't have anything canceled due to COVID uh, in 2022 at all. But of course, there were there were other things, right, that happened. Uh, I think one of the kind of big stories of 2022 in everybody's mind is the war in the Ukraine, and that certainly did have an impact on reenacting to some level. I know um, when we talked about this before, Ludwig, you were actually having like you were faced with event cancellations. Um, uh, the war is dragging on all these months later. 
is is it still affecting you over there well on reflection although at the time i was really quite worried that it was going to lead to another year of um closed events and the whole ridiculousness of all of that with reenacting primarily being a sort of outdoors uh hobby it was just you know the the, the ramifications of a, another year of not doing very much it was you know not not desirable at all in actual fact all of the events that have decided not to have uh, military reenactors or you know German or Soviet reenactors whatever it might be they probably haven't been worth going to anyway for the most part um, and the one or two that were you know it's it's not the end of the world generally speaking we've had a an, a, a year sort of packed with events of, of sort of public and private kinds without any real difficulties um, at all in that there have been some instances of sort of bad reactions from the public but generally it's been quite positive uh, and so we weren't affected by it anywhere near as much as I thought, but with the war having dragged on as long as it has, I think it has, in a to an extent, sort of faded out of the uh, intense public consciousness of, of constantly talking and focusing on it. Uh, I think the longer that something like that drags on, the, the shorter the public's attention span will get for it. I think there's a lot of validity in what you said, and actually, you know, I can't point to the specific episode that I... I think I have a memory of Chris and I talking on the show uh, months back about how this was a possibility, like this, you know, it would basically fade into public consciousness if it uh, dragged on for long enough, and I think that has sort of come to pass. I mean, obviously not to detract from it's a horrible thing that's happening over there, but I feel like these, these things, initially it's like a train wreck, people can't turn away. But then it goes on for long enough, and they do turn away. Yeah, I, I don't recall where I was, but I it was either... I, I saw on TV that it was talking about how uh, a new city in the Ukraine had been bombed, and it was discussing Putin's new um, offensive and strategies. And uh, I, I, felt, I felt a little conflicted because my first thought was, oh, wow, like this, it's going on a year. It's hard to believe, and like you did feel a little bit of desensitization to it. Yeah, I think I, I I get it. I I I do. I mean, I was I was following it very closely back in February. I think actually I was following it a bit too closely. I think I watched a bit too many like too many combat footage videos, and uh, I'm like, holy hell, this is horrific. And um, I feel like again, I kind of pulled away, which was probably healthy for me. And uh, yeah, it's. Uh, it's still going on, unfortunately, but uh, it's like the city that, you know, to those who aren't, you know, who don't have an extensive knowledge of the region or the culture or what whatnot, the, the city names, unfortunately, kind of just blend into one another, the different attacks, it, it all becomes, you know, sort of equally meaningless, you know, as a as an observer with really no dog in that fight whatsoever because i mean let's face it i don't have a dog in that fight i think the big the big thing for most sort of historians or reenactors is whenever they're talking about the city names or the regions or anything like that you just end up thinking at least in my case i, I can say I just end up constantly thinking of the second world war like when they're talking about kharkov and the donets you know the donets region and so on it's hard not to think of uh, of the Second World War when they when they mention all of that. Sure, there were, what, four battles at Kharkov? I mean, the famous one is, what, the third, where uh, the SS went in there and retook the city and I think, what, 43? Yeah, and obviously the Donetsk Basin and, the, and the, the magnesium deposits there and the desperate German attempt to hold on to that at any cost. 
Yeah, I think that is. I think people, I think reenactors in particular, you know, became invested in this conflict, you know, whether or not they had any sort of family connection to Ukraine because of World War Two, for better or for worse. I mean, I feel like I saw people getting like weirdly worked up about it in the comments because, you know, they like have some reenacting connection to, you know, Ukraine under the era of the Soviet Union when World War Two was going on in there. Well, I think uh, personally, for a personal tie, um, you know, Ben, you talk about getting overly invested into it when the war first out broke. Uh, I have a good friend who I know who served in Großdeutschland, who was uh, actually a Marine, and he did a lot of intelligence and recon stuff, and he knows friends on both sides that are still into the intelligence aspect of it. So he would post, uh, you know, non-bias, what is happening and strategy and possible outcomes, et cetera. So I would read those day after day and it was really fascinating. Uh, and I actually, my mother has a cousin whose family's from the Ukraine. They operated a Christian radio station out of the Ukraine. Um, but she and her husband since moved to the States where they were trying to get back to the Ukraine to bring out family. And her two brothers actually had been living in Russia at the time. So they were conscripted into the Russian military. So, you know, you think about family fighting family. And I was like, wow, it's, it's unbelievable. But to take it one step further into the reenacting realm, um, I was just browsing the other day and I saw that someone on online on one of the seller pages had mentioned like, oh, today, uh, you know, my son had perished in the war. So it's all of a sudden like kind of brings back to home uh, that, you know, via our uh, interest in the history and reenacting and collecting that we've made acquaintances far reaching into the Ukraine and now like their lives are kind of coming coming to front and to our attention. So it's you know it's one of those sad things sad tragedies but it's interesting to see how it's kind of come full circle sure i mean def we are in a community of people where you know we, we would order things from you know the russian federation or ukraine and the war made that more complicated and also too like we may have been in contact from people on both sides and i think beyond any kind of criticism of the putin government or the Z Zelensky government you know the, the hobby, I feel like, has definitely given at least some of us a, sort of a very human window into both sides over there. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I think you definitely, uh, that's that's a valid point. Yeah, I mean, you discuss both sides, and I know that I had uh, a while back purchased something from someone in the Ukraine, got it no issue, but now people are trying to get things from the Ukraine and are kind of slandering this individual, like, why is this not showing up, blah, 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 blah. And you have to understand there's a war going on, but on the yeah. flip side... You know, you look at the Russian people, uh, it's it's just like World War II history. Not everyone is a warmongering, like, let's take down the Ukrainians. Uh, when people were trying to banish the cell of, uh, you know, Stoli and all these other Russian vodkas here, it's like, you, you know, you're taking away livelihood from other people. Like, now, granted, uh, you know, a lot of Russian vodka distributors are multi-multi-millionaires, but you know, th those there's people over there who are just trying to make a living too, and it's 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 tough finding that fine line, the balancing act. Like anything in life, it's not black and white. It's it's complicated. Mm -hmm. There's many many shades of gray. Ultimately, for me, I you know, I'm not trying to yuck anybody's yum. I know there are a lot of people out there who are history enthusiasts who are extremely passionate about current events and you know I on some level I 
have some respect for people who are invested in what is probably a, a world critical issue that's happening in our world. But for me, I just really am not like a current events enthusiast. I prefer to live uh, mentally in like a World War II space most of the time. So <laughs> the, the the unfortunate reality, though, is that, the, you know, this war has affected commerce in in like a reenacting context, um, you know, in terms of vendors, but also the cost of fuel. It has affected reenacting in, in, in those regards, too. Well, so. that... Let's let's use that, Ben, as kind of a jumping off point to talk about the other big sort of world topic that is affecting reenactment in 2022. And that's kind of the economic slowdown, downturn. We could argue about whether or not we're in a recession here in the USA. I, everyone knows inflation is a thing. Prices have gone up. Um, I don't know. Uh, Ludwig, have you... I don't know what it's like in the United Kingdom. Are you guys in a similar situation where you're looking at inflation, increased prices of, of gas and consumer goods, etc.? Yeah, massively so. Um, the fuel prices just went up and up at one, up and up and up at one point, uh, to the extent where it was more than £2 a litre for diesel, uh, having a diesel car and having to go to the, to you know, go to the petrol station and putting in, uh, you know, £20 at a time to really not get very far at all. It very quickly starts to cut deeply into what you can afford to do now i'm maybe a, li a little bit you know uh, more reckless than a lot of people i will always try to put reenacting first and i can afford to do that in the position that i'm in um so that has not had a terrible effect on me but it has been noticeable i know for other people where they've got family responsibilities or where they've got you know uh other financial commitments being able to put several hundred pounds into going to an event just getting there if they're having to travel a long distance is not realistic. I mean, I live in sort of the top end of the UK, well, at the top end of England, north of England, uh, the barren wasteland that it is. And we've had some good Southern events uh, this year, unusually. But that for me is about six, six, seven hour drive, depending on traffic. And that is a lot of, that's a lot of expense to get there and to, um, to participate in that. And especially if I have to pick up other people on the way you know, and they might contribute to the fuel cost as well, which kind of alleviates it. But if I'm coming off of my route to come and get them, then it sort of goes back on itself. So it is, it is, you know, for a lot of people, it makes things much more difficult, much more expensive. And it makes them think a lot more carefully about what they can actually afford to do if they have those sort of financial or, you know, family responsibilities, like I said. Or, you know, maybe even if they just don't want to spend the money. And this is where events need to potentially be more... Um, attractive in an age where uh, reenactors are able to kind of pick and choose and also the cost is going to make them think twice as well. I think that's uh, those are some very, very valid points. Yeah. Ben and I were just kind of talking about this uh, yesterday because we did a really small kind of a mini immersion event over the weekend that featured um, basically sitting around and, and kind of preparing a meal and sort of socializing in, in uniform, sort of. Um, and that event was fun, and I'm glad that I went. It was cool to see my friends, and I liked to put my gear on. But it, the event cost, because of the what gas costs and what I spent on the food that we made, it was like not like a lot of money, right? But I certainly could have gone on a hike that day or, or done something else and spent far less money. So for me, I haven't, um, it hasn't gotten to the point where there's been any event that I have chosen not to go to 
because of the increased cost of fuel and the cost of everything else and the the squeeze that that has put on me financially but it's it's a consideration you know uh rudy what about you um how how are things with your crew uh yeah i think that the all of that kind of ties in together just with uh, I kind of looked back and realized I only attended three events this past season. And, uh, you know, there was a multiple reasons for that. Uh, uh, unfortunately, a loss in the family and then also prioritizing family time and um, different avenues in that regard. But also you have to kind of pick and choose and say, wow, like I used to drive six hours to this event every single time. And same thing with Ludwig. Um that all of a sudden, you know, fuel prices were going through the roof. And it's like, my goodness, like what I, I used to be able to get to this event on, uh, you know, three quarters of a tank. And now I'm not even close to that. I have to fill up before I would even get to the event. So uh, it, it definitely, definitely took its toll, the fuel and rising prices on things. Well, you raise a valid point there and that I feel like I'm starting to experience this too. But the older you get, um, the, you know, the more you have kind of going on in life, the more responsibility, you know, you might get a promotion at work and you might be making more money, but maybe you're responsible for more things, you know, or you have a family or relationships or other hobbies. And, you know, you, when, you know, I was new to the hobby and reenacting was sort of all bright and fresh to me, I wanted to do every event and I, I had more time and I kind of, you know, gave the hobby all of my time. But, you know, as, as I've grown older, I find there's there's other things in life that, you know, are valuable to me. And, I mean, to new reenactors or to younger reenactors, I mean, enjoy it while you can, you know. Go out there. Do every event that you can. But uh, I think there is, you know, it's just part of the journey as you, as you get older in life. Yeah, and I, you know, I won't go into ad nauseum to that topic because if you haven't checked it out yet i'm pretty sure we have discussed this at length on a previous podcast so uh, become a member and go back and look little plug there um but uh yeah you know there's in life there's waves there's uh different routes that need to be taken at different parts in your life and whether that's you're just coming into the hobby or you're raising a family or you know retirement we have several members in the group are uh, a good friend of mine who would attend literally every event would bend over backwards to come down uh, from Belleville, Ontario. Uh, every event for him was eight, nine, ten hour drive and he would make each event religiously. But he's since retired and has moved even further away out to the Prince Edward Islands. And so, uh, you know, he went from going to ten events to to possibly doing two or three a year, you know, so that that's just that's part of life. Yeah, no, that that. That makes sense. That totally makes sense. Ludwig, how many events were you able to do this year, if you know? Um, off the top of my head, I think we had about four or five private events. And then I think until maybe eight or nine public events, hmm. I think, if I remember right. Okay, that's that's a shit ton of events and you are making us look like posers because <laughs> we were the two reenactors. <laughs> Well, this is kind of one of the things I wanted to talk about since we're kind of recapping the year. I've got to be honest, this year has not been a good year reenacting-wise. I was very hopeful at the end of last year that my unit would build on the success that we'd experienced with quite a limited number of events 
in 2021 and a lot of the really positive feedback we had from other groups and other individuals when we've been at shows. Um, but the year started off with a pretty, um, I wouldn't say poor, but lackluster, sort of let down in, in sort of an authenticity sense, um, private event uh, that was really just a little bit all over the place. Uh, and then that kind of set the mark for the year, set the bar for the year. And, and, and going forwards from there, it's not been great. Um, we didn't have a sort of a good summer in the sense that it was so hot, it was quite difficult to do anything at some of the events we attended. It was just like scorching, you know, 40 degree, 38 degree heat, uh, which here, you know, I mean, in England, it gets to 15 degrees and you've already got blokes in the streets taking their shirts off. So you can imagine what, you know, 38 degrees, 40 degrees was like. And then from there, it just kind of tailed off into a little kind of peak at the end with a really good Southern event where we were able to link up with um, with a really good Southern group that was a lot of fun in terms of the actual event itself because we got to do something bigger and we got to do something more interesting uh, and then kind of petered out towards the end of the year. Uh, we weren't able to have an in-person sort of end of year meeting because I couldn't get a site booked and it's just, you know, it, it feels in many ways that the unit has kind of lost its focus and fragmented a bit, which has been quite an upsetting experience to, to see. So um, despite all of those events, I know it might seem like a lot, the quality of those events varies wildly. Like some of them, which were quite small and we, we were fortunate to attend with just our group, were fantastic in comparison to the ones where we might have had bigger numbers and linked up with, uh, you know, kind of parts of our group um, that we don't often see. But that wasn't necessarily very good in comparison to where we'd, we'd had that opportunity to be with just our group, but with a decent turnout at a nice site. Uh, and similarly, the private events were, again, all over the place. That, that event at the start of the year was a letdown, and then we had a really good one towards the end of the year. So, you know, it's very much a mixed bag in many ways. Ludwig, I have two questions for you. I guess the first one is the last time we spoke, uh, your unit was taking on some numbers, I believe. I'm just curious, A, if there was more growth with your unit this year, and then B, are a lot of your members having to travel some distance to get to you or to your events, or are you all sort of centrally located? Uh, in regards to the first question, our, our unit towards the end of 2021 was um, going through a kind of merger mm -hmm. with a long-standing other group that has existed for quite a long time uh, in another iteration and they've kind of joined us to portray some of the sort of portrayals that we do whether it be Felder and Haller or some of the more sort of uh, as some would say generic impressions that we do. That has led to an enormous culture clash between a group of individuals that want to do everything to the absolute you know as, as far as you can get in terms of authenticity and they might not always do it perfectly they might you know stumble some of the way there but in principle they're always aiming to try and get everything right whether it's you know on, on any sort of level and then you have another group of individuals who are all you know they're all great they're all fantastic but they've done things in a certain way for so long mm. that putting those two two groups together there is a lack of understanding on both sides if that makes mm -hmm. sense so the guys that really want to hammer the authenticity don't understand why the other guys um, have a particular way of doing things and might find it hard to adjust and then um, that adjustment for the for the sort of the guys that have done it a long time they might be questioning well why have I got to change things that I've always done because somebody who's maybe half my age or or hasn't had as much experience in reenacting is telling me I have to do that so that has created a huge issue in the group that I think we can work through if people are open to working through it but it is very much a, a, 
a difficult thing to tackle and you know where it ends up with us going I'm not sure I know that from where my group originally came where where we sort of broke off from something that wasn't what we wanted to be a part of I know that the core group members would have no hesitation doing it again uh, which is not what I want I want to see you know I think one of the things I've learned this year which is something I wanted to share with you all as well is that for me personally uh, with with reenacting especially in the second world war reenacting um, scale is something that enhances the hobby so much if you are able to work at bigger numbers it allows you know uh, more sort of detail it allows more processes that you don't typically get if you're just in a forest with nine or ten guys not that there's anything wrong with that that's essentially what i've spent the last sort of three years doing for the most part but where this year we have had the opportunity as a group to link up with other groups and form something larger than a grouper take things up to kind of the zug level it's been a lot more interesting a lot more fun for me a lot more sort of immersive uh not having to you know think of everything myself having a, a lieutenant to report to uh that has been a lot more interesting for me so that is one element so having the scale to me is important and keeping all of those people together if possible is a big thing that i would i would like to do um so that has been a, a massive a massive culture shock uh for many many of the members of the group on both sides the second question with regards to location i mean i'm based in sort of the north of england and that is a good thing in the sense that it means if I'm coming down to an event, I can more or less pick up everybody if they're on uh, kind of the eastern coast area of England uh, or on the east side of England, as it were. It's not really, it's not really worth talking about an east coast of England because it's not, not that big. Um, but yeah, I can effectively pick most of the people in that sort of area up and most of our group members are there. The problem is, is that a lot of them don't drive. So for basically the last three years, I've performed a sort of impromptu uh, taxi duty, um, which I think should I should be awarded the driver's sort of proficiency award <laughs> for that. Um, so having done that, I you know I've, I've I've been all around the UK picking people up, taking the two events, um, and now that we've started to link up with some of the more southerly groups and and they've started to invite us to their events, it it means that I'm having to travel even further and potentially pick up more people um, and and to get all of that distance. And then to come back as well on a night with work the next day is, it's it's a big ask. It's actually been kind of a really uh, sort of an eventful year for us this year because my reenactment group disbanded and then reformed. with a new kind of name and a new mission so far so good with that uh one of the last events that we did under the old unit name wound up having far more people than we ever had before and since then we've had great numbers too but uh something ben and i have talked about so much ludwig this year has been this idea of scale that you bring up because it really does it really does enhance what you can do. It does make events more realistic. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, World War II was not fought. It wasn't a 10-person versus a 10-person deal. It was fought by large formations of men. And when you can replicate those large formations, it really enhances sort of the, the overall feel. Um, unfortunately, even when we work together with other groups, we're at, you know, we're closer to a grupa than a zug. Um, you know, and as much as I would like to be doing tactical events with a thousand participants again, like I remember in my early years of reenacting, I don't think that that's 
really ever going to come back. So uh, it'll be interesting to see going forward what happens with reenactment in general. Um, if it comes down to like national events where uh, people travel from all over the country and world to have huge numbers at an event, or if, um, you know, a, a 30 on 30 or 60 on 60 event is seen as a large scale event, you know, time will tell. On a personal level, I, earlier this year, was exploring the possibility of doing different time periods and, you know, different nationalities, uh, which I thought might have more of a sense of scale, and I kind of basically ended up doing like a sort of cost-benefit analysis in my mind, and the conclusion I reached is maybe I will still continue to explore these projects in 2023 or 2024, but it's like back burner. Um, I'm not going to make, you know, assembling new kits so I can, you know, do one event, you know, as, you know, in a, as a totally different time period. Well, for, look, Ben, let's let's yeah. let's be specific here. So you were you were looking at doing American Civil War. Yep. And part of the, your motivation for doing that was because the events are very large where yep. you can have 100 people portraying the same unit, which yep. is something that we're not going to see in World War II reenactment. Yep. And then your other endeavor was putting together a kit to be able to do World War I, World War I events at the Great War Association site in Newville, Pennsylvania, yep. which, um, you know, those are large scale or larger scale events as yep. well. Absolutely. And so, you know, you're saying that you've you've kind of backburnered both of those things for now. I still might do them. I, st I have like half assembled kits for both, but uh, I think that there's other sort of pursuits which I might be able to, you know, do more. Ra like example, I really like naval history, and I really like the I really like ships and nautical stuff, and I have like a family connection to local nautical history, and I thought to myself. I could probably get the same sort of, if if not more, benefits or sort of edification from uh, joining some sort of like naval historical society. I don't need to like dress up to interact with history. Is basically what I'm what I'm get what I'm getting at. Okay, yeah, but you know, World War Two is cool, right? World War Two is in <laughs> fact cool. You know, World War Two is in fact cool, and it, it it is my first love, and I'm always going to do World War Two reenactments. But this idea that just doing you know other time periods to get the same sort of you know reenacting fix that I was getting from World War Two might not be the best way forward yeah nothing not knocking other time periods but yeah in my personal opinion they are not as cool <laughs> world war ii is the only thing that matters that's what i am saying <laughs> um another thing i wanted to talk about today was um you know and we don't have to we don't have to go into this too much because we we did just do i think a whole episode on this with ben and i but um just the the pressure online in terms of uh, sort of the censorship on the social media platforms and the associated reluctance on the part of reenactors to engage in sort of online chit chat. I think it is you know worse now than ever before, and um, I imagine that that's something that I'll think about when I look back on 2022. You know, I lost the one of my. Facebook accounts that I used a lot, a lot of stuff that I posted online disappeared. Um, it's been a frustrating time. Uh, you know, Rudy, what, 
what's your take? I mean, I know you're really active on online. I see you on there all the time. Yeah, you know, I think it's one of those things where I try and just safeguard myself as best I can. Uh, I, I am hesitant to use the phrase, but there's almost a lethargicness toward, toward it. Uh, previously, I would say, hey, you need to censor this, you need to censor that, and I would still do it for some of the larger groups that I'd hate to see disappear, but it's kind of at the point where if someone's not going to do it, then sort of, what was you type thing, you know, it's, it's I, I'm not going to be policing everyone that I possibly can, so uh, it's sort of a, a self-preservation uh point of view uh i do see you know when you lost your account that was very unfortunate uh i have tried to and actually many many months and months ago i signed up for our unit discord uh which i see a lot of our younger members are very active in which i'm enthralled to see some of our older members have given it a go as sort of a fail safe uh personally I look at it. I'm glad I have it there. I actually just looked at the reenactors page uh, prior to hopping on here, and it was great the amount of information, the amount of people utilizing it. For me, it's just overstimulating. <laughs> so I'm glad it's a fail safe. It's good to be there. Um, but I, I will say that I've almost had this sense of just uh, self preservation, I suppose. Sure. No, Discord's really different from. Facebook, isn't it? It is more like a group chat or something. Uh, Ludwig, uh, you know, thanks for inviting me to your unit group chat. I still do follow all the stuff going on in there. It looks really cool. Um, but it is a tremendous volume of stuff, and it's not a great way to um, sort of store or retain information. It's similar. It's like almost worse than Facebook in a sense where it's this constantly ongoing chatter and, you know, you're you don't you don't really kind of want to like scroll up to see whatever you might have missed in the conversation you know what i mean i know ludwig you guys are are using discord but it, it it's almost like a a chat with friends you know which is which is cool um it has its place but i don't know it's a little different you know ben what, what do you want to say about this if you post a photograph on discord it kind of just like a like a cool historical photograph that might contain some sort of detail or you post like a piece of information that you know might be relevant to reenacting you can i think use the search function to go back and recall it if you like you you know use a keyword but it kind of just gets lost. And the nice thing about Facebook is there are groups, there are folders. It's just easier to it's just easier to find information. Well, you know, it's funny that you say that because we used to have the exact same complaint about Facebook because it was easier <laughs> to find information in forums. Yeah. You know? So it's like all of these changes get you kind of further and further away from like really archiving information. And of course, I use our, our my website, right, the unit website for that. It, it's funny because if I see a cool photograph that like contains some detail that I think is relevant to my impression or just I think it's cool you know like somebody's doing something unconventional or somebody's doing some sort of practice that you know I want to like oh, highlight something for your snowflake archive yes yeah. exactly <laughs> precisely um I uh, I might save it to my camera roll on my phone but of course then like try finding that again in five months you know <laughs> Well, that's where you like can archive stuff on your. Yeah, yeah, you can like save it to favorites and whatnot. You know, you can I, c I could get better about doing that stuff, but uh, 
you know, I, I still rest my case. Ludwig, what has been your experience this year on with regard to online discussion? I know we, we've kind of talked about this before. You've lost your accounts countless times. Uh, do you think that it's worse, better? I mean, is it is it affecting what you do? What do you think? Um, in terms of Facebook accounts, you are correct. I think you probably have had about 400,000 friend requests from me over the course of the last sure. couple of years when I've been deleted and, and recreated under even wilder and wilder fake names to try and get past uh, Facebook moderation. Well, I, sometimes I um, wonder if maybe up to uh, 25% of all reenactor chatter is alternate accounts from you. I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> that would be about right. Um no, in terms of the moderation side of things, before your account was deleted, a couple of days before it, you posted something, and I thought I, I looked at it and I thought, right, I need to save that post, for like save it on a Word document or on a Google Docs, whatever, because I'm going to use that for something in the future. And I think I was out and about at the time, or I was at work, I can't remember, and I didn't. And then um, a couple of days later, or it might have been a week later or two weeks later, I can't remember, you were deleted, and I thought, well, that post has gone into the electronic memory hole. And same with so many other accounts, same with uh, so many other individuals. It makes keeping hard with uh, keeping up with people um, quite hard. It makes it difficult to keep up with people and to keep in touch, which is why I think the move to Discord is a is a good thing in many respects. You are all correct. Discord is not a great format for a lot of this stuff. Um, as you will be able to test, Chris, in our Discord, uh, we have you know dozens and dozens and dozens of channels for different divisions, different sort of types of pictures. But the problem is, is that they just end up getting scaled back. I think we have channels with you know some of the channels have got thousands of images in. I know the channel challenge challenge part of me. The channels just pertaining to uh, Felder and Haller have hundreds and hundreds of images. And if you want to find anything specific, you've got to go back forever, or you've got to pin it, or whatever else. Um, and that becomes difficult. And I'm also in all of these seller pages as well, which are hard to keep track of. Um, so I think in many respects, Facebook was good for its functionality to an extent. But as with all of these platforms, I think reenactors need to reconcile themselves to the fact that, you know, as irritating as it is, there is no incentive for corporations like, like Meta, like Facebook, uh, Instagram, any of these sorts of people uh, whoever they're owned by or whoever they you know are operated by to host what we do the broad mass of people I think in a lot of places would not have a problem with what we do but it only takes that one individual to you know start reporting everything or that one moderator who's got a particular um, you know problem with this to, to really hammer away at it and, and that creates problems for gathering so having the discord is a really positive element we've had our our discord in my server uh, in my group rather we've had our server for the better part of three three years four years now and it has been fantastic at keeping us together and i would certainly recommend it for anybody of any age for the community aspect of it and the group chat aspect of it um there are some times as chris would probably have seen where i've really felt like just deleting it because of the way that people go on but uh i think that is the case with any group chat or internet discussion and and that is a whole separate subject well you know if anything has become clear to me this year um you, you know this your, your point kind of it makes me this year i really have fully realized that my first sort of five years in the hobby we were living in a different time um politically in terms of like what people were uh you know people outside of reenactment were like socially tolerant of um i feel like unfortunately like unfortunately i've seen a lot of you know people getting increasingly sort of 
polarized in the hobby to one political extreme or another, or out of the hobby, polarized to one political extreme or another. Um, a lot of things that used to fly uh, just could not fly anymore, just are not tolerated by society or reenactors. And it's, it's, it's unfortunate, but it's just like, watch what you post, watch what you say. Um, yeah, and uh, kind of watch your back. Well, I, I, I know that I sort of downplayed the discord, the positives of that, but I will say this, and this ties into what you're discussing, Ben. If there's no other reason to have a failsafe to joining discord, I literally received a 14-day ban. Uh, some of you know I have uh, 1933 to 1945 German print advertising uh page i really am into collecting literature and so i had posted a picture for an advertisement of um it was for a bavarian uh cheese or something along that lines it was about food and it had like a young bavarian boy toddler who was in the nude running around the hills of bavaria and it was just talking about how workers are hard working and it's good to have like the cheese to provide nourishment etc etc enjoying the springtime and I received a 14-day ban because it was considered, um, uh, what's the word? Uh, it was almost as if I was uh, exploiting children, work, labor, and nudity. <laughs> and I just was like, oh, my goodness. Like, yeah. you know, you, you talk to society's changes in normalness, and, like, it's just so vastly different from the 40s and generations before us, so... Springtime for Hitler in Germany. <laughs> you know, just to plug the Discord, we've got a Discord for the podcast that anybody can join. We've got stuff posted in there every day. Um, it, it, the, the Facebook thing is basically going away. This is actually really affecting me personally right now because um, I used to like keep really good records of the stuff that I bought that was World War II related stuff, collectible stuff, really. I like to keep track of how much I paid for items in my collection. And I used to um, record that stuff on like a weekly basis as I bought things. But in more recent years, I've gone to just doing like a year end kind of a wrap up of all the stuff that I bought where I go through my records and write down everything that I bought. And now I'm looking at PayPal payments where I know that I paid somebody on Facebook for something, but I can't access any of my Facebook messages because my account got deleted. So the, uh. Uh, you know, it's just not going to be a complete list. You know, I don't, I see, I sent somebody 80 Euro. I know it was for some collectible item. I think, I don't remember what it was. It was back in March or whatever, you know, and there's many such instances so um you know i've been on discord since before the beginning of 2022 and uh i i you know i've uh i've still got all those messages i've still got all that stuff but the facebook stuff is gone and i know that my the account that i have on facebook now won't be around forever eventually i'll uh like you say i'll post a picture of a smiling child and uh you know get taken <laughs> down for being a child labor uh, whatever you know it's nonsense <laughs> yeah it's really ridiculous well look let's talk about some positive stuff from this year let's talk about some highlights uh ludwig you mentioned that there were some uh low lights for you what were some of your best kind of reenactment experiences in 2022 for me it would be uh we had a really nice event little event uh at a beautiful castle 
uh, with some wonderful gardens in it that made for fantastic pictures, but also just um, really sort of wonderful backdrop to be able to reenacting reenacting and I think a lot of the time we forget how lucky we are to be able to do the hobby in places where a lot of people would maybe just be able to visit for the day or under very specific circumstances and all of a sudden we have the grounds of an entire castle uh, to ourselves and that was a fantastic experience and also the added benefit of being able to get drunk in the castle garden as well that sounds yeah. fantastic and then in addition to that I would say um, we had We've just sort of nabbed an event in the summer. It's very much a public event in the sense that it's it's kind of tagged onto a steam fair, which is where they bring lots of tractors and sort of steam vehicles to come and be displayed and to do tractor races and all sorts of stuff. Um, but we've been given a section of the sort of site to be able to use for digging trenches and to turn into kind of a, a Normandy-esque battlefield. And that's fantastic as well, because it's the first time for a long time that we've been able to actually use a, a site in the way we can just do whatever we want. And the site owners are fantastic. They're very keen to have us effectively just turn it into, you know, uh, into a sort of a Normandy uh, battlescape. And there was, uh, they had some diggers on the site and they were just letting me use them to dig trenches. And I was stood there directing all of these guys, just digging these big, long trench lines. And they're going to let me do even, even, you know, even more extensive trench networks next year. And so how could, how could it get better? I'm stood here with no experience in um, directing, you know, big machine diggers, but I'm stood here directing them to build German Second World War fortifications. And they're just getting on that, with it. That is pretty fantastic. Um, so that was a highlight. That is pretty fantastic. Yeah, that's living the dream right there. <laughs> and then at the end of the year, as I said, we had a brilliant event with some of the guys down south in Dieseldaten, and they did um, a market garden event with some American and British reenactors. Uh, and again, the scale of the reenactment made it a lot more interesting for me. It wasn't me having to decide and do absolutely everything. Uh, and there was a higher command, which made me, you know, when somebody in the group was maybe not understanding the process, well, it's, you know, um, orders are orders, we've got to go here and do this, which made things a lot easier for me. Uh, the scenario wasn't so great. I don't think it was necessarily 100% appropriate for the site. And the uh, opposing forces, as it were, were, were a big letdown. But that was, you know, that didn't have any effect on how I felt about the overall event. It was it was fantastic to link up and, and to do a bigger sort of formation. Um, and it was just during the event on, on the Sunday morning, it started to rain about six o'clock in the morning. So uh, I was sort of wrapped up sleeping under a tree and thought, well, I might as well get up now. Um, just as the sort of her lightning appeared out of the, the sort of morning mist to, to deliver the orders for the morning. Uh, and then it started raining at 6am and it didn't stop raining until I think probably 11, 12 o'clock. So we were all absolutely soaked through squelching around uh, this big forest. And it's first time in a while that that's happened where it's not been miserable because it was still quite warm, even it being October. And there was just something oddly satisfying about it, just, you know, everybody being absolutely soaked through and, uh, you know, marching through the, the, the forests to, to some unknown objective. It felt, you know, the most uh, immersed that I've, I've felt for a while. That is definitely something about the hobby that I've observed and enjoyed over, over the course of, you know, the years where it's just like, if everybody is miserable, there's a weird sort of solidarity in it. And, uh, you know, it makes it fun, which is kind of screwed up to say, but I don't know. I, I, I like it. You know, I do. Bad weather is zoning in its way. Rudy, what about you? What were your uh, 2022 highlights? Well, first, I'd like to say, uh, Ludwig, thank you for making my evening because that might have been the most English thing I have ever heard. We were at an <laughs> event in a castle with just the loveliest gardens with perfect spots for photos. 
So I, I greatly, greatly <laughs> appreciate that. Uh, you know, well, Chris, what I would say is that the high for me for this past year actually, unfortunately, came out of a bit of a low. A member of our unit passed away uh, last uh, late fall last year. Obviously, it's an unfortunate circumstance, but at one of our events uh, at Hazleton, Pennsylvania, we were able to have... Uh, it's in a beautiful location. It's in an old abandoned um, quarry, uh, lots of rolling hills, but uh, we were able to have a little unit memorial service with him. So everyone was Osgenanzug uh, and, you know, the Helm Ab, and we have um, a member in our unit who actually served in the military uh, as a chaplain. Uh, he gave a beautiful service as the sun was kind of going down and the wind was coming through the trees and uh, the uh, member in question was a crew member on our Stug, so we had the Stumgeschütz there and uh, it just was good seeing all of the Kameraden coming together and consoling each other and we made a uh, uh, kind of a grave marker site with large stones that looked like an iron cross and all the soldiers came the soldaten came and placed a stone within the, the iron cross and it was it was just a really touching sentiment to see that e even though you know post-covid or in the midst of covid and individuals kind of stepping away from the unit due to life and uh, maybe you're not attending as many events as you had once had uh, just be able to see that there's a there's a grander scheme of that and that's the comrade chef that we have with each other and uh, how no matter how many events you attend each and every one of us plays an integral part in each other's life and uh, so unfortunately with his passing it was devastating but out of that kind of came that that beautiful moment where we were able to honor him and remember him and uh, have that solidarity as a, as a unit. So I, I'd have to say that that, that was definitely a, a highlight for myself is just being there in that moment. Well said. That's really cool. I, I think, you know, when I hear stuff like that, I think often about uh, a memoir that was written by Georg Gross-Johann, who was a Knight's Cross winner in the German army. And he touched on what he called the mystical and glorious aspects of soldiering. You know, that it wasn't all just... Um, crawling through mud you know that in your uh in your best uniform in the ceremonies where you you work together and, and came together and uh, created something that was emotional something that was moving that there's something really special about that and i think that to the obviously much smaller and, and much more limited aspect that we can do that in reenactment I think that stuff is really meaningful. You know, I have a lot of uh, memories like that, and I'm glad that you guys were able to uh, have a fitting tribute for your friend. Well said, Chris. I put the question out there on uh, Facebook, uh, asking people, listeners, uh, what their sort of highlights were, what their experience was in 2022. We got some cool comments that I'll read. Our friend Dillian Williams wrote, uh, 2022 was definitely a year that the hobby tried to find its footing again, but I think by the end of the season, it was back in full swing. Very much looking forward to 2023, where we can do our weird little hobby as we used to. Great comment, and well said. And, and that kind of mirrors what I what I experienced, too, like, like what we just talked about, where at the event that we did earlier this month, we were seeing people that hadn't been to an event since pre-pandemic. You know, I do think that 2023 will kind of be hitting our stride again finally we can hopefully we can shed all of this pandemic stuff for once and for all i agree 
I hope so as well. Caden Ritchie wrote, This year, I tried something a little different. I am part of a larger group that operates about three quarters of an hour from where I live, but often as a young reenactor with no personal transportation, it's impossible to get to events, especially the smaller ones. What I did discover, however, was a number of fellow 16, 17, and 18-year-old reenactors in the immediate area where I live. I decided to reach out to folks, and thus was born Miners in History, World War II Reenacting by Young People. I can't live down the pun name. It's not a big unit by any means, but it's been a fun way of getting to know reenactors around the same age and mutually working on our impressions. We've done a few small events, including a training event where we worked on skills such as impression research, gear wear, and DNC. Although we're still part of the larger group and I actively encourage people to join them, it's nice to have a local crew that can get together for local events that the big unit doesn't do and have a way to connect with other people of the same interest and age in the same area. Well, that's awesome. I mean, I think especially if you like live near other people in your group, you know, it's cool to become ideally, you know, real life friends with these people like outside of the hobby. Like there was a period in time where I happened to live in Boston or the Boston area and a number of other people who did reenacting also lived in that area and these people are still very near and dear friends to me and uh yeah, so I think that's cool um and uh I I I hope that this uh group of yours pays dividends. Yeah, you know, I think that's so special and important because as Ludwig was uh, attesting to earlier, there can be some dif- uh, divisiveness between older members and younger members, different ideas. Uh, you know, there might be times where you kind of smack your head and be like, oh, what are these kids talking about or what have you? But at the end of the day, those individuals are the future of the hobby. Uh, so those relationships that they build now, the activities that they start to accumulate uh, and cure themselves, you know, that that's the future. So to hear that, that, that makes me really excited. I feel really lucky that I have reenactor friends who live near where I live, where we can get together and sort of talk about reenactment stuff, do reenactment adjacent stuff, even like hikes and camping in the lulls between events. Um, Ludwig, you know, you mentioned that you live in a, uh, a barren wasteland. Have you got like reenactor friends that live near you? Uh, I, I should probably retract that comment from before somebody else who lives uh, before somebody else who lives in the north of England uh, finds out where I am and punishes me for it. It's not it's not quite a barren wasteland. It is actually quite beautiful in some parts, um, but no, I don't. I uh, very much isolated from everybody else. Uh, we've been fortunate in that we've had you know some of the birthdays uh, of members of our group. Um, We've had them up here where they've come here for a sort of night out and, and, and that's always been really fun. Uh, but I organize an event up here. That means, every, you know, at least once a year, everybody treks up here. But beyond that, um, no, I, you know, we don't really have anybody to, uh, I don't have anybody nearby um, who's close enough to kind of just go away for a weekend and maybe, you know, when it's quiet, go and, and, and go camping in a Zelt or something like that. So it's a little bit disappointing. So all... Uh, Northern Rain actors need to, to contact me accordingly. <laughs> uh, the north of England sounds like a really magical place. I've never been there. Um, I only know about it from sort of, uh, I don't know, TV shows about uh, coal miners driving like a three-wheeled vehicle that flips over. <laughs> uh, that still happens. Yeah, that oh that only happened last week. Really? Um, no. Incredible. I believe it. Uh, 
I don't know what it's Christmas. It's Christmas time over there. Do you guys revert to like Dickensian England? That's what I've led to believe that it goes like to the Victorian period, and it's all very quaint. Is that how it is over there? Uh, it's it's heading towards the uh, Dickensian sort of period in in the sense of um, workhouses and uh, endlessly toiling away and cold. Yeah, I didn't mean it like that. Near slavery, no. Um, child, uh, child thieves, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, that still very much exists. No, it. um, it's it's not quite like that. But uh, in little sort of English villages, it is always that sort of quaint, uh, that quaintness, that that I don't know, quintessentially English. A lot of people would say that it looks. You have to come and see it. You know, you have to come and see it. To, I would love to I come would and love see to it. Well. We could sleep in its altbahn. You know, it would be special. Well. Offers there, and there are castles as well, castle-oriented events where you can indeed get drunk in a garden. So do bear that in mind. Perhaps uh, next year we do this end-of-the-year podcast in jolly old uh, England. I would love that. That sounds great. That sounds fantastic. Uh, you guys, you guys are welcome anytime. Um, and that, you know, that offer extends to anybody. Very good. You've got to, you've got to. We need to. My, my sort of end of year feeling is next year we need to get everybody together and just start building huge events. Whatever you know, whatever the the cost, it's going to have to happen because something's got to change. Uh, at least in the UK, I've noticed it in America. Just watching, it seems that people are starting to get these big, huge events where lots of groups are coming together to do big things as one. And I think that's where we need to kind of start moving in the UK. I know that has happened historically in the past, but it seems like it's dropped off. Um, so yeah, the offer is extended to, certainly to you, to you three, and to, to anyone else. Awesome. Very good. Bartolomeus Vice on Facebook writes, 2023 hasn't gone as I'd hoped regarding events in my area. So my real reenacting experiences were minimal. I did camp authentically in its Zeltbahn for the first time with no anachronistic items, using straw as bedding with only my uniform and a wool blanket, which was a highlight for me. I'm looking forward to an opportunity to do this at an actual reenactment in 2023. Straw as bedding is key. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> it's cozy. Yeah, that's, that's, that's how you get cozy. It sounds like this guy went out and did some theme camping, which is something that I also did this year that I, yeah. I you know, I, I wanted to do it this year. I did it this year, maybe not as much or for as long as I had hoped to, but it was more than nothing, right? You came, you saw, you conquered. I mean, what, we did that little event where we did, like, we, we found the mushroom and we cooked that, you know, that was cool. That was a great time. That was really fun. And uh, we did another overnight out there on the abandoned train tracks. We did that, we did that event on the island with the... Uh, with philly you know that was right, we got to do that again yeah, yeah we really need to do that again so it's not the same as a real reenactment but it is cool to be able to use the gear get out there sleep in the tent and you can get skills that um you can use at real reenactments like bartolomeus is saying that he he looks forward to doing what he did camping at a real reenactment which is something that i've experienced as well chris and ben I, you know i really think that you two have pioneered or at least uh, challenged me to consider what it constitutes an event. Uh, just seeing some of the stuff that you do from weekend to weekend, your small group stuff, the building of your bunker, uh, things in the past, I'd be like, oh, I wouldn't consider that event. I, I wholeheartedly would now. So I'm looking forward to hopefully doing some of those myself. I, a part of that is an adaptation to the times, I feel like, where you mm -hmm. know the hobby has gotten smaller. But that said, I'm glad. You know, I am glad, and I hope that other people feel similarly inspired to do other stuff with their kit where like when I 
started reenacting. I had this very sort of rigid mentality that, like, I'm only going to use, like, my mess kits for reenacting related things, but it's just like, I can use it for, for camping, you know, and it's great, and it gets some wear on it, and it gets some use, and I, like, learn things about it that, uh, that I didn't know before, so, yeah, I mean, I definitely recommend that people, you know, like, get creative. I like a real event, you know, an event is an event and there's, there's nothing like you can't, you can't make a reenactment really. It's, it's difficult to make a reenactment where there is not a reenactment, but you can still Mm -hmm. do stuff and it's not, it's not nothing, right? It's fun. Indeed. I got to, uh, take like a short vacation earlier this year, uh, where I went to Germany and Switzerland and I visited some reenactor friends and uh, one of my friends lives in Switzerland. He's a reenactor. He's reenacted with my group before. Um, we've been reenacting together for a long time. And I visited him at his home, and it's, we weren't able to do a reenactment. I wouldn't really have wanted to do a reenactment. I was more interested in looking at stuff in Switzerland. But we did uh, get out for a hike and set up a Zaltbahn tent in a farmer's field up in a misty meadow in the foothills of the Alps. It was really cool. And even though it wasn't actually a reenactment, um, it still kind of had a little bit of that feeling where you're setting up that familiar camouflage tent with your friends. And, uh, you know, I, I treasure stuff like that. I really do. I like it. That's awesome, dude. That's really cool. I'm jealous. The last comment that we had on uh, Facebook was from Ben Spons, and he says, 2022 was my first real year as a reenactor. I joined 7th Company Großdeutschland in roughly February, (laughs) and at the time, all I had was a tunic and trousers, building kit over time, and experiencing my first event. It was amazing and made me fall in love with this hobby. An absolute standout moment was the Aquino Tank Weekends 2022 in Oshawa, a public display and public battle event. At the time, I had no rifle, didn't have my own helmet, and didn't even have a bayonet. But thanks to the staff and reenactor organizers, I was an MG42 assistant carrying the tripod and ammo. It was heavy. I was sweating, nervous as hell, but once I was out there, with MGs firing, tanks rolling, pyrotechnics going off, it was amazing. It felt like nothing I've ever felt before. Once we came back to camp, I was drenched in sweat, but you couldn't force a smile off my face. Overall, good year. That's awesome. I mean, I think there's, like, I feel like I'm... I've been doing this hobby a decade now. I, 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 sometimes I feel like I've been there, I've done that. But then you see new people in the hobby who are excited about it, and there's something rejuvenating about that, where it's just like you remember what it was like to be new to this all. And, I mean, I remember how excited you know, I was in my first you know, couple of years of reenacting. And, you know, it, it is the, the, the fun of assembling your first kit, you know, not like your 15th kit, your first kit, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's awesome. And uh, so, you know, great, great stuff there. Um, fantastic. Ludwig, what, what about the numbers in your group? Uh, you know, are you guys still getting new members? Is the group growing? What's your, what's your feel? Um, kind of looking back on this year in terms of numbers you know on paper the group has grown uh significantly 
and that's not even factoring merging in with uh, some of the other guys from uh, the outside group, as I mentioned earlier. The group has grown. We've taken on a lot of new members. Some of those members are really passionate about the hobby and about getting into it the right way, which is fantastic. And um, as a unit, I think it's safe to say we've done everything we can to try and help them with that, like we do for every member. Some of the other new members maybe have misunderstood the ethos of the unit, if I would describe it that way, and I don't know. Um, I don't know if they're going to necessarily fit in if they, if they can't kind of gel with with what the unit is about and, and and understand what it's about and fit in with our group culture. That's it, some one of those things that just has to be seen as it goes along. Um, but I felt that this year that the, the group has become increasingly fragmented with with people going off to do kind of their own thing and their own little impressions or their own like do impressions with separate groups. And that to me has really undermined the feeling of kind of unity of purpose and um, Kameradschaft and, and, and being one unit that shares those experiences together, which for me has always been a big thing. I, I know that people um, kind of tend to balk at the, 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 the idea of sort of group loyalties or anything like that, and they just want to go off and do whatever they want, which is fair enough. It is a hobby. But I don't think those people, when they do that, really consider how that affects the rest of the group that they've maybe traditionally been a part of or the leadership of that group. Um, and I think you know for me the the strength of the hobby is in many ways in its groups and and in its different units and the kind of unit identities they take on and their their individual histories because reenacting in many ways you know it has a history entirely of its own over the course of the last 40 or 50 years when we're talking about second world war reenacting uh, at least if not you know reenacting is a broader sort of hobby um and so i don't know i just want to see my unit kind of come back together put aside a lot of the kind of distractions that people are starting to take up and come back to focusing on on um, what we used to, or we, we, we seem to have for a brief period, which is a really strong sort of unified group. But whether that happens or not, I don't know. I, I know that we will always be together in some form or not, but um, it would be nice to, to, to have those numbers, even on paper, represent something more than just, you know, we might be able to get a, a grouper at this event or we might be maybe a little bit down on it, that sort of thing. Ludwig, I was stifling a laugh when you were talking because I know exactly what you mean and I have the same exact feelings, but you put it in such like a diplomatic and uh, sort of refined, sophisticated way that I would like struggle to articulate it in that exact way. So thank you. It's the British accent. (laughs) (laughs) Forgive me. It just adds 10 points to any intelligence. (laughs) To Americans, specifically. (laughs) I can't. It's how we conquered the world. All the history about going in like, you know, bombing and blowing up natives and shooting them. That's all made up. We actually just went on and talked them into submission and they gave up. (laughs) You know, we bowed to our superior overlords in their accents. Let them... Fantastic. No, Fantastic. I can't get anybody to do anything in real life anymore. It is, it is what it is. Rudy, what about you? Uh, how are the numbers looking for you guys? Uh, as we had mentioned in a previous podcast, uh, I have stepped back from being a re- recruiting officer from Siebte uh, Company Deutschland, And uh, so there's always a little bit of nerves in terms of what's going to happen next, what it's going to look like, our numbers going to drop off. Uh, we had an individual, a young man, uh, Michael Prezone, uh, Herr Wickman, who stepped into my role. Uh, and he's been in our unit a couple of years, and he's done a smashing job. Uh, it seems like every time I turn around, we're bringing in a new member. And uh, you talk about individuals who step back. Uh, life gets in the way, so people are f- kind of fading out of the unit. Uh, you're going on a little bit of an urlaub or a hiatus. 
Uh, but we have so many new members coming in and it's really invigorating and really good to see because there's always that fear like, oh my goodness, like, are, are we going to start losing people? Is this the year where individuals lose interest in the hobby? Uh, but it's been the complete opposite. Uh, our numbers are continuing to grow. Uh, part of that is uh, the longevity of the unit. Part of that is what Siebte uh, Company Deutschland tries to represent in terms of authenticity and longstandingness within the hobby. Um, but also a lot of that falls onto the shoulders of Herr Wickman and just the excellent job that he's doing. So uh, with the with the grandiose, grandiose size of our unit, uh, a lot of the members, I know Mr. Spahn's there that you uh, were retelling his Facebook comment, uh, we actually have a real growing contingency of Seventh Company members that live in Ontario up in Canada. Um, so it's by no means two separate units. We're one consolidated unit, Siebte Company Close Deutschland. Uh, but with the COVID shutdown, they were able to have more smaller events up in their area. Uh, ben had mentioned the Kino uh, tank event. If you ever get the opportunity, I'm hopeful to make my way up there with my family uh, this upcoming spring. Uh, I want to say it's in May, so it's kind of close to the Reading Air Show uh, there at the beginning of June. Uh, but it's actually at the Oshawa uh, Provincial uh, Armored Museum there. So they have, I, I want to say, I think it's the largest armored museum in Canada. Uh, but they have all sorts of uh, original and a few reproduction German vehicles there, um, vehicles from many, many countries. So uh, it's a great opportunity as a historian and as a reenactor to get out there and get your hands on and on some of these original vehicles. And um, so it's our unit numbers have grown and, you know, hats off to Mike for doing an excellent job. And I think that uh, there's a lot of these young members who are coming in wanting to do things authentically and properly and also differently, which is good and refreshing. So uh, it's, it's very positive. That's great. You love to see it. So looking back on 2022 for our podcast, uh, I would be remiss not to mention that this was our first year with my loyal and trusty sidekick, Ben. So thank you, Ben, for uh, being such a great co-host for the podcast. Really appreciate you being here. At your service, Chris. Uh, having said that, you know, as great as things are now, it wasn't necessarily always that way. Uh, and no. our editor, Mike, the crucial behind-the-scenes guy has uh, put together a little bit of a montage of some clips from the early days of co-host Ben. I was and afraid of this. <laughs> so I am going to play that now, and uh, I hope oh everybody boy. enjoys this. Oh, boy. All right, here we go. Oh, hold on. Sorry. Let me start that again. Mike's going to have to deal with this one, too. <laughs> this is going to be its own blooper. All right. I'm going to try, try this again. Hold on. Ben, don't. Like touch the table, I think. <laughs> um, Mike will edit this out, but I think so. Mike obviously is going to be listening to this. Um, yeah. This is the first time we've ever really done this. Yeah. Um, if you are like knocking on the table, it makes a sound in the microphone. In fact, you should you should put that beer on the floor. I'm also holding a, a gun. Don't um, hold the gun, and uh, <laughs> I think I think put that beer on the floor. Yep. Yeah. Right. And then just avoid touching the um, table for any reason. Roger that. Ben, you're shaking the table again a little bit. Damn it. 
All right, sorry, Mike. Uh, ben, you got to move your microphone a little bit so it's pointed directly at your mouth. Very good. You might have to actually, yeah, rotate the base. Very good. Okay, that's good. Excellent. Sorry, Mike. Uh, you know, not, not Hold on a second. Are we dead? We may have died there briefly. That's that's not a good sign. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Hold on, Mike. I'm sorry. We're going to do like a little interruption here. Yeah, there's a, there's a dog coming over. Hey, we're recording a podcast over here. It's all right. Hello. All right, Ben. We're going to do this again. Fucking hell. The last part. You have to get as welly as possible. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's too fucking good. There's a lot. Wow, that brings back a lot of memories. (laughs) (laughs) I think in one of those, I was like still suffering the after effects of COVID. And like earlier on, I had just bought a Japanese Arasaka rifle that I was like brandishing as we were doing the recording, you know, like typical, typical stuff. <laughs> yeah, this is a audio podcast and not a video one. So nobody knows how many guns we're brandishing at any given time during the recording. <laughs> Indeed so. That's very funny. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Anyway, thanks, I love it. thanks Ben for uh, being on here. Of course, Chris. All right. So we have blown way past our regular time. Um, yeah, good luck, Mike. <laughs> So uh, uh, I think it's time for us to have a toast to uh, fun reenacting times in 2023. So uh, Ben, you and I can toast and uh, Ludwig and Rudy, I I invite you to join me and have a drink. Ben and I have uh, already finished off most of a six pack during this. (laughs) Uh, So cheers to you guys. Prost. Cheers. Cool. You guys are great, and uh, I really appreciate you guys coming on, and I'm sure that we'll talk to you guys again at some point before December of 2023. Yeah, thank you again. This has been fantastic. Thanks for having us. Uh, I look forward to it in the in the future. So, uh, you know, I did want to say Happy New Year to everybody out there. This is our very last episode of the year. Thanks to all the listeners for listening in 2022, and uh, we're going to keep going strong in, in the year to come. So... Thanks again to our guests. Thanks to Ben. And uh, guys, I will see you in the field. See you in the field. See you in the field.